is crackalackin beautiful people of the world today coming at your life as always samuel a milo what is up my dudes hope you guys have a wonderful day today man it is october 29th the year is 2020 it's roughly 11 o'clock at night we've got our coffee we got our bible and we are ready to go baby let's get after it what do you say oh it's tasty it's tasty coffee tastes even better at night when you're supposed to be asleep anywho uh hope you guys have a wonderful day today man this is atk series two Season 2, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited. We'll take a look into First Peter today. If you guys missed the last episode of ATK, that was ATK episode 4. We talked a little bit about being the reflection of who Jesus is, right? And if we say that we're Christians, if we say we love Jesus and believe in him, right, and trying to live a life of, uh, according to what he wants for us, we will always be a reflection of who Jesus is. We took a look into John 13, 34, and 35, right, and that... A new commandment, Jesus talking to the disciples, right? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That, man, it's not by how much scripture we know, it's not by beating people to death with the Bible, it's not by our political views, but it's how much love we can show to others in loving like Jesus, right? Not how the world tells us to love, but loving how Jesus loves us. That's how people will know that we are that we are for, with Jesus, you know, and that, and that we're different than everybody else. But if you guys missed that one, go ahead and check it out, man. It's ATK episode four. Today we're going to be in First Peter. Uh, before we get started, man, I'll talk a little bit about the background and stuff. If there was a title for the message, I would say um, I don't know, persecution, trials, stuff that sucks, life sucks. All that is inevitable. But the thing is, it's necessary for us to grow in our faith. And God cares about the authenticity of our faith. He cares about our faith being genuine. That it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like, that our faith remains strong and intact because we can trust that God is good. Jesus even says in John 16, 33, that, man, it, it, you, will face, you will have tribulations. But take, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That Jesus overcame the world, that we can trust him, that we will make it through. Without further ado, though, man, we'll get a little bit of the background of 1 Peter, and we'll walk through this thing, man. Line for line, man, that's how I like to do it, just walking through each verse, kind of breaking it down. But first things first, 1 Peter, Peter's uh, original name was actually Simon, changed to Peter once he kind of... Uh, went up with the ministry of Jesus and, and with the disciples and all that stuff, that's when his name was changed to Peter, uh, meaning rock, right? The rock of the group, right? Tough guy. <laughs> but uh, in 64 through 65 AD, that's around the time that this was actually written, that Peter was actually writing to the uh, Christians that were in Rome. And it's in these particular cities. If you guys have your Bibles, crack them up. First Peter versus uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, that's kind of where we'll be at tonight. But he even titles it from the beginning. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience of, and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. That was verses 1 and 2, right? And Peter was actually writing to these different, he calls them pilgrims and elect, right? But at that time, that means Christians, okay? That means people that believe in Jesus at this time. And 
all these cities, those five cities that we listed, are actually a part of the Roman Empire, right? The Roman Empire, as we know today, is like was massive, right? Places huge. And at this particular time when it was written, there was actually a fire that broke out, and they were under the rule of Roman Emperor Nero. Okay, Nero at this time. And this particular emperor had this lust for just building and building and building, just lust for uh, expansion and all this stuff, building better buildings, all sorts of different stuff, right? And a fire at this time actually broke out. And it, I believe what I had looked up was like it burned three out of the 14 districts within Rome, which is pretty, that's a big deal, right? A lot of families, a lot of households, buildings being burned down, right? And a lot of the Roman people believe that Nero set these fires, their own emperor, right, in order to build more, which he did take advantage of afterwards. So he, he began to build because he has this lust for power, and you would imagine that it would cause some resentment within the people, right? Like someone set these fires, who is to blame? So I, and Nero knew this, so he blames the Christians, right? He uses the Christians as a scapegoat. Christians at this time already don't believe necessarily how Romans believe, correct? And with that, that kind of just adds fuel to the fire. So, I mean, persecution just broke out, and it's so rampant, and they were being scrutinized so much. People were being fed to wild animals, fed to dogs, being burned alive. People were dying for what they believed in and being persecuted for things they didn't even do. And that's a little bit of the background of what's happening and who Peter is writing to at these times. Uh, and Peter is writing to Christians that are suffering, that are struggling, and that are facing a ma like mass persecution. But that's a little bit of the background. Lots of persecution right now in Rome for Christians, okay? Um, with that being said, we'll hop into a little bit of just, uh, we'll hop into verse 2. Verse 1 was just talking about who he's titling it to, you know, these particular cities within the Roman Empire. Um, so, starting with verse 2, he says, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. There, when it says elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, sometimes people can get into the uh, debate of like predestination and all this stuff here. Like, and I would say that God pre-plans opportunities for us to come to know him. But he does not force us to know him. It is ultimately our choice. He can plan out all these different opportunities and things for us to do, which he does in advance, right? But the thing is, we have to choose that. We have to take the opportunity and choose God. Ultimately, it is our choice. And that's what I believe. that The foreknowledge of God the Father, I believe he, he pre-plans opportunities for us to come to know him. But the thing is, we have to choose him because it has to be our choice. Otherwise, it wouldn't be genuine. Otherwise, it wouldn't be authentic relationship. Moving on to verse 3, it says, Blessed be God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? Peter is saying, you know, blessed be God for, for begotting us, or begotten us again, right, to a living hope. Talking about that eternal life, right, that free gift. Like, thank God for his mercy. According to his mercy that we were given an opportunity to come to know him. This living hope, right, talking about the eternal life that is only available through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, right? As it finishes off there, verse four. And then verse four starts, it says, to an inheritance 
that is incorruptible and undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. He specifically points us out, you know, for you, for me, that it's reserved in heaven for us. And this is a this is an inheritance, right? Things that we will get. And when we think inheritance, we think, man, we're going to get something at the end. Wow, this like this is what we have to look forward to—an inheritance, something that we're going to be given, and that God gives us these things. And it's not like an inheritance that here down on earth, where it's just money that eventually is going to fade away, and we're, and eventually that's it's going to run out, right? But this is an inheritance that is incorruptible. It's it's undefiled, and it's not going to fade away. He he makes it certain, and it's reserved for us too. That's something, it's reserved for us. And like, no one's going to take that away. And then in verse five, it talks about who are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So at the end of our, like when we, when we either go home, when we pass away, when we die, or when Jesus comes back to get us, right? It will be revealed to us. And it's, we are kept by the power of God right there through faith. And that's a particular verse. It's, man, whatever God has for us, no one can take that away. If, if it's kept by the power of God, no one can take that away from us. You know, moving on to, to verse 6. Think of it, and there's a lot of commas in verse 6 right here. So it's, it's really important that we, knowing literature and like breaking down the commas and knowing what it's talking about. So in the first sentence in verse 6, I'll read through the whole thing. And then we'll go back and dice up the commas, okay, wherever they're at. So in verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, comma, though now for a little while, comma, if need be, comma, you have been grieved by various trials, comma. And then verse 7 starts. So first thing he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Talking about the previous thing we just talked about, right? So... It's in that inheritance, it's in this eternal life that we can, that living hope, right? That we can greatly rejoice. And he's trying to encourage them at this time because it's a hard time for them, right? It's a hard time for these Christians. But man, he says, in this you greatly rejoice. And then he moves on, he says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So first off, he says, though now for a little while, the trial is not going to last forever. He says a little while right? And that can mean a day. It can mean a year. It can mean a decade. But man, the thing is, it's the trial has an ending, that it's not going to last forever. And then he moves on. He says, if need be, that it's necessary, that this is necessary. And man, also he moves on even further. It says, you have been grieved, even distressed, even some translations say it's distressed even by various trials. That man, trials come in all sorts of types of ways. Just something personal for me is, man, this past summer we had lost two of my friends, very, very young. And that is hard. And then another one just for me is, one, not getting to play baseball is, is a personal one. And I'll lead that story. So when I was in high school, right, freshman years, like all I wanted to do was pitch. Okay, all I wanted to do. And I played the outfield and I did well, succeeded and stuff. Right? All I wanted to do was pitch, though. I didn't get that opportunity. Freshman year, I would play these summer leagues with different teams around, like travel ball teams and stuff. And then you know, I would do exceedingly well. And it wasn't until my senior year that I was actually able 
to get the opportunity to pitch because I had posted so many different videos of me pitching on Facebook, Instagram, and coaches at my school actually saw it and gave me the opportunity in the, that my senior year. And then I actually got an opportunity to play some college baseball after that. But then the same thing happened. I, was on, I wasn't really able to get the opportunities that I really wanted to. And granted, there was times, man, I would get on the mound and I was so nervous. And I, <laughs> it was like, I would throw just terribly. Okay, but there was also times where I threw really well. And man, even then, like I would play summer ball in different in the Jayhawk League in Kansas and try my best. And I would do exceedingly well in the summer leagues. And I'd send these clips of videos and stuff around to my coaches like, you know, dude, look, check this out, check this out. I did really well. And it just didn't seem to make a difference. But the thing is, man, and, and just this past, and another one, man, is just two weeks ago, I had my appendix removed. It was a crazy weird day, just odd circumstances, but it just goes to show you that trials come in all sorts of different types of ways. That they come in various ways, right? Various trials, as it says there. And then he moves on to verse seven, that it's important for this to happen. In verse seven, it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, that the trials are not for no reason. That God cares so much about the genuineness of our faith that he allows the trials to happen, that he allows things to take place. It's not that God is making it hard on us, that he's putting his boot on our head, but man, he's allowing the things to mold us into the people that we need to be that are genuine that truly trust him even when it's hard, that love him no matter what the circumstances look like. That genuineness matters to God. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being, it talks, and it's being is actually uh, italicized there. So it's talking about our faith, that the genuineness of our faith is much more precious than gold, right? And gold, that's something that's gonna perish, right? It goes back to the thing that's, that it's, in, it's, it's that gold is corruptible, right? Gold is, gold is kind of defiled, and gold, that will fade away. But the thing is, man, he says that our faith, our genuine faith is much more precious than gold. And he is praying, he is, and, and, our, and our faith is going to be tested by the fires of this life because life is hard. It is difficult. But his hope for these people and us right now is even when it's hard, that we may be found to praise, to honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, even when it's hard. Trials are the things that test the authenticity of our faith, and they are necessary for us to grow. They are necessary. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it okay sometimes when things suck and life is hard, but the thing is, man, we gotta trust God when it's good, and we gotta trust God when it's bad. Because, man, he is not doing it. He is not allowing those things to happen for no reason. But, man, it's to build us up, to trust that our faith is genuine, that we believe what we believe because we believe it. And we love God with all our hearts, strengths, mind, soul, right? But, man, if you don't test something, how can you ever know it's true? How can you ever know it's genuine? And how can you ever know that it will hold up? Think about... Here's an idea. Think about when you're lifting weights, right? Think about a guy, every, every guy in the world loves a bench press, right? Monday is National Bench Day. But 
How will you ever know if you always throw on the 45s? You just throw on 40. Every guy throws on 45s when they're doing their first rep. First set of bench press, right? 45s, just rep it out 45s, right? Only doing 45s every single time you get to the gym. And never even testing whether or not you could do 45s and 25s on each side, right? Never even testing those muscles to see if you can go higher. You don't, you, how do you know that you can lift heavier if you don't try it? if you don't test it? How do you know that those muscles in your chest cannot go further if you don't test that? You have to test it, right? And that's why our faith is so important because if it's not tested, then how are we, how are we ever gonna know if it's genuine? How are we ever gonna know if it can stand the fires? If we can push through, if we can persevere? But man, it's important to God that our faith is genuine and that we truly love him even when it's hard because life does get hard. But man, moving on to verse eight, it says, whom, in, whom having not seen, you love. Talking about Jesus here in verse seven, where in verse seven it says, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? And then in verse eight it says, whom having not seen, you love. The people at this time, in this time frame, hadn't seen Jesus. Peter had saw Jesus, right? Had seen Jesus, but the people that, Peter was talking to, they hadn't seen Jesus. They hadn't seen seen him or walked with him or saw his ministry, right? These are people that hadn't seen Jesus. And he's like, whom having not seen, you love. Like, wow, you, you guys love Jesus and you haven't even seen him. It moves on, he says, though now you do not see him, yet you're still believing, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That man, you still haven't seen him, you may not see him, but man, you're still praising Jesus when it's hard. Keep praising Jesus when it's hard. And he'll bless you for it. I know he'll bless you for it. I know it. And then in verse 9, it says, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That man, that's the end goal. Man, that's it. It's the salvation of our souls, right? But man, we have to press through. We have to keep pressing through the trials and still trusting Jesus when it's hard because life is hard, right? It proves our faith to be genuine and it proves our faith to be authentic when we can push through the trials of this life and continue to trust Jesus through it all. But man, it's important to Jesus. Genuine, authentic relationship and faith is important to Jesus. And that's why trials are allowed on his people and everyone around him, man. Because if you don't test something, how can you know that it stands the test? If you, don't, if you do not test something, how can you know that it will stand through the things that are hard? It's tough. You won't know. You won't know unless you test it, unless it's tested. It's crazy. Man, that is about all I have for you guys today. I... I feel like there was so much to give in this, just in this nine verses. I would say just meditate on that, man, and continue to read through that. But man, that God produces genuine faith through the times of struggles and, and tribulations and trials. It's important to him that our faith is genuine. Man, I hope you guys have a wonderful night tonight. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Keep killing it for the kingdom, man, and keep advancing the kingdom every single day. Because, man, there are people out there that don't know him, and we are called to share the love of Jesus every day with every ounce of being that we have.
It's important. Man, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Do something great, grand, wonderful. Party on. Love you guys. Fancy Kingdom as always. Dude, we'll see you next time, baby. Woo! <laughs>